Welcome to the Foxy Podcast, a bi-monthly show brought to you by Freeform Freakout. The show is produced at KMSU Studios in Mankato, Minnesota. And here on the Foxy Podcast, we try to dig deeper into underground and experimental sounds of the past and present. And welcome to episode number 233 of the Foxy Podcast show. Hope you're all doing well out there, wherever you're listening from. On this episode, we're going to dig into the work of the newly launched Flat Plastic Home Media label. Flat Plastic is an outgrowth of the Working Man Lay Down label started by Drew Davis of the revolving free improvisation unit Crazy Doberman. With both the label and Crazy Doberman running their course and coming to an end, fellow Crazy Doberman bandmate Tim Gick is carrying on the mantle just now under the name Flat Plastic Home Media. This past week I had a chance to chat with Tim about this new endeavor that he has taken on and some of the considerations that have gone into it. We also discussed his own musical evolution from playing in the psychedelic post-punk band TV Ghost to his more experimental and improvisational work in Crazy Doberman and Gateway along with his other recent solo and collaborative output. You'll get to hear that interview in a few different segments throughout the show. You'll also get to hear tracks from all of the currently available titles from Flat Plastic. And Tim also generously provided a handful of other tracks from forthcoming releases on the label for us to preview on this episode. Before we get into the first interview segment... I'm going to play a few tracks from some recent cassettes on Flat Plastic, starting with this one from Roland Taylor's release, A Righteous Man Falling Down Before the Wicked is a Troubled Fountain. This is the track Krakow Lament. Thank you. 
Okay. Well, I thought to start, can you explain the transition from the working man lay down label that was closely tied to your work with crazy Doberman to the newly launched flat plastic home media label that you're now doing? I mean, I, I didn't even really fully get the distinction at first, but now because there's such a continuity with like the, the visual part of it and the sonic part of it. And there's actually a lot of the Working Man Lay Down titles still up on the Bandcamp page. So I just kind of want to figure out how, how that came about. If this was just a reset for you, is this just now your project on your own? What kind of the background of that? Well, uh, so Working Man Lay Down started out like, uh, at, like Drew moved out to Richmond, Virginia in about 20... 18 into 2018 early 2019 and uh he started doing um sort of small batch home dub cassette tapes Mm -hmm. and then um soon after i moved out here i kind of got involved with that project with him and uh kind of pushed it more towards doing like pro dub and uh more professionally printed, all that sort of thing. Um, and then we did that for a few years as working man lay down, but then, yeah, we had like, uh, it, 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 it was, it's a lot of work doing a independent label and a band and all that. It's a lot of stress and Mm. you never really know what your rate of success is going to be with any sort of release. And, uh, and it got, I, I, I think it got to be a little too much for uh, the both of us together. And uh, we just, we decided to part ways on that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I decided to continue the mantle of uh, Working Man Laying Down. But I didn't want to, uh, I, I wanted a clean break yeah. from that. Mm-hmm. But, so, like, a name change, uh, I, like ended up buying a lot of the back stock off of drew sure like you know because we paid for it all together yep and uh just kind of continuing to keep it up all on Bandcamp, streamable just as an archive for everybody to listen to um and so at the same time i i need like i i feel like i needed to move forward and let people know there was a delineation there between Mm -hmm what what was happening before and after that sort of split right right and that also i mean is, does that also kind of mark the end of the era of crazy doberman as well you guys yeah, ready to it, move on from that as well yeah yeah for sure yeah unfortunately yeah it was it was a it's a great era but uh uh all things shall pass you know right right yeah. i mean <laughs> you guys certainly were prolific and achieved a lot in the time that you were playing together and i yeah, think I, and i think something oh, of, like the intensity in which you were working and playing and such a large group i mean that's tough to maintain for long periods of time yeah no for sure it was it was like yeah I, I, I yeah i think over the whole course of the five or four Four years we were doing it I, I just approached burnout at least a few times mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing for yeah. sure yeah 
Well, uh, you know, based on the the visual continuity that I was referencing earlier, you know, there's sort of this collage. There's almost kind of like a zine-like uh, quality to, to some of the artwork and layout. And I was just curious, you know, now that this is your project, if that was what you've, if you've done all that for the new releases and even the ones previously. On yeah, the- yeah. I've, you know, yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I did quite a bit of the art. I would say about like cover art, like 50 to 75% of the cover art for all the releases, but I did all of like the layout and design for all the stuff and that and that's actually you know uh i really enjoy doing that yeah a lot and it's something that you know i i like took photoshop classes and like when i was in high school almost mm-hmm. 20 years ago now and i hated it at the time just because i was much more into uh sort of a tactile approach like yep. with like paint and glue and scissors and exacto knives and you know old old books and magazines right but i think like through doing like so much of the editing stuff on on the computer uh for crazy doberman it kind of kind of uh brought to me an, a, a really n- new found appreciation for doing art digitally yeah yeah. Yeah. Is that maybe one of the things that, well, I'll ask you a couple of things here. Um, is that maybe part of the motivation of, of continuing on with a label is sort of having that artistic uh, format or platform to do some of that things? Or is part of it um, having an outlet for your own musical projects? I mean, you mentioned before that just the simp- the sheer challenges of, running a small DIY label. And believe me, I know firsthand what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Sure. Uh, so I'm just kind of curious, you know, what what uh, what has motivated you to, to, to carry on with it? Well, basically, I just don't, I'm not good at anything else, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so what? I don't know what else I'm going to do in the first place. Uh, uh, yeah, and so, yeah, I do find a lot of enjoyment and fulfillment out of, uh, doing all these, uh, doing like the art design layout, uh, mastering, sometimes mixing for mm-hmm. the label. Um, but I mean, all, uh, yeah, I guess at the same time, a big part of it is that a lot, a lot of the first stuff we did in the first year with flat plastic uh, was uh, they were commitments that we had made. Oh, under sure. working man lay down. Mm-hmm. And so I felt, you know, I felt obliged to fulfill those mm-hmm. commitments for like, you know, the tapes and LPs and stuff. Uh, and, and so I didn't really know what was going to come after that, but you know, it's, it seems like, you know, there's a bit of interest, so I'm going to just keep continuing doing it because it's, you know, I want to support artists and I want to there to be an outlet for listeners to get, you know, strange and new sounds. Sure. Yeah. As well that, has, you know, that they might not find, find elsewhere. Has that, you, you mentioned you had some like, kind of like, you felt the obligation to put those up, but now that you're moving beyond that, I mean, are these new releases that you're, and we'll talk more about it later in the show because you've got some of it to play. But are these things that have just kind of come about naturally through people that you've connected with 
uh, are people that are already like submitting stuff to you like hey would you have an interest in putting this out it's a, it's a little bit of both for sure okay. I mean I, I like to I, w- I like to operate more so just with people I've organically met yeah yeah you know like I, I like to work with people I've worked with before or uh, I've met on tour and I saw them play and was just it was really stoked on what they're doing yeah. and talked with them and all those sort of things so the kind of having some real world connection to the people Absol- artists that you're working with absolutely yeah that's yeah. super important for yeah. Me. yeah yeah well kind of building on that idea then is just the personal connection to people but is there anything at least like sonically that you want to have sort of i mean some labels get really good at being a ambient label or a free improv label do you does that matter to you much or are you just kind of open to is more about that personal connection is that kind of the priority well i think a a big part of it for me is like i've i kind of hate genres and i kind (laughs) of think it's a you know it's it's a bit of a fallacy to Mm -hmm. think of things so classified right um what i'm much more concerned with is like a sort of philosophical approach of uh process over product (laughs) and you know people who will be making albums and through the process of making an album uh you know, are growing personally and that hopefully the people who hear, hear the album will also, you know, grow from that. I think, I think that's the most, like, to me, that's the most important thing mm-hmm. more so than like how something sounds or fits into a category. Um, and I, that's very subjective, like, sure. but still, I, that, that's what I'm more so looking for than uh how something sounds sure yeah well maybe we should talk about like the two most recent releases that you have out and i there's some blurry lines here because you've had some tapes but let's maybe talk about and highlight and play uh the two most recent lps that you put out you have one uh from your uh crazy doberman colleague if you will uh jacob sunderland and then there's another one that the second the follow-up from mark shippey and alex cunningham let's maybe just briefly talk about those and let's jump into some of the music mark shippey and alex cunningham what a powerful duo those two yeah, are yeah right? absolutely it's oh crazy God. yeah no uh I've, I've never actually met mark but uh alex i met years ago probably in like 2017 or so okay he came through uh when i was still living in lafayette and uh he played uh he played a set at the bar i was working at and we actually did a collaboration then. Oh, okay yeah and uh ended up staying at my place and we hung out for a while talked quite a bit and the, but he, we like even early on in the crazy doberman era we were going to St. Louis quite a bit and sure. uh, he uh, uh, he often yeah he jumped in and collaborated with the crew live mm-hmm. uh, although he I, I don't yeah he, he we never he was never on a release I don't think of Crazy Doberman okay but yeah I mean and early on in the Working Man Laid Down discography 
we put out a uh we, we put out a, a tape of his yeah yeah which i yeah i enjoyed quite a bit but yeah he sent the record in about a year or two ago and yeah we yeah we, that was an, that yeah we committed to doing a release with them but things didn't quite line up until after working man lay down collapsed yeah uh so i just yeah i decided to just well, that's what i'm starting out with you C- know coming out swinging with that one right? <laughs> yeah right. for sure and then yeah, yeah. we should also t- talk about the jacob sunderland well it's a split release uh jacob sunderland along with spiral joy band nice uh, drone pairing but Sunderland's side I guess I wasn't all that familiar with his solo work and I, I know he's done some tapes and stuff but that is a really incredible side that he's put together and he and we met he did go back and he was involved in Crazy Doberman correct yeah that's correct actually like uh it's funny um I was in uh the same class as his younger brother ben. okay yeah and uh you know we we played music through high school and uh did some video projects together i remember the first time i heard uh throbbing gristle we kind of we were working on a video project at his house and we kind of snuck into jacob's room and we were going through his cds and stuff and uh ben took out this throbbing gristle cd And was like, yo, check this out. And then, yeah, and he popped it in and it was just, yeah. Changed uh, your world right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I've I've known Jacob probably, yeah, probably close to like 20 years or so. Like, yeah. not, not, yeah, I've known, I've, I've known him for about 20 years or so. I I've saw his like high school band play mm-hmm. at the Battle of the Bands when oh, I was nice. like 15, yeah. you know. <laughs> when he play, so he's primarily a guitarist, so I know he does other things. What was he playing in Crazy Doberman? As far as guitar was okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he would uh, he would he would do on some tracks because yeah we like we would do like sixteen player sessions. Mm-hmm. So sometimes he would just be he would always just uh, bring acoustic guitar for the most part. Okay. Um, uh, so sometimes we'd pare down and do like you know two or three players at a time and he would play acoustic guitar but when we did like the bigger sessions and stuff he would have you would have electric okay and and pedals and amp and all that yeah well let's play a a pretty lengthy excerpt here of his side the the track is called it won't be water but fire next time again this is jacob sunderland Thank you. 
You seem to have your hand uh, in a lot of different things. Uh, and you kind of alluded to this earlier. I mean, in, in addition to running flat pa- plastic, you do some sound engineering and mixing and you're collaborating and you're outperforming and all different stuff going on. And I, I had asked you previously about, you know, what mo- motivated you to start flat plastic. And I guess I kind of want to like, maybe like, pan out, if you will, and ask a bit more broadly about what fuels your creativity and investment uh, in this world of like fringe DIY music. And I think you kind of hit on that a little bit earlier, talking about this idea of almost like personal growth uh, through the music or some like philosophical piece to that. I guess if you want to speak to that in terms of how you approach the work that you do. Yeah. Um, as like, as far as like being involved in more of the fringe and outsider uh, sort of approach to art, a big part of that for me is just like a real discontent with sort of established the, the establishment of the music industry itself mm-hmm. and how it, you know, it's like, it's a capitalist machine and it puts money into the things that make money. And so all of the resources go to the things that need the resources the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the really interesting, weird individual, individualistic sort of things kind of fall through the cracks you can kind of look at this in the way of like what happened to the velvet underground or the stooges Mm -hmm. um back in the uh yeah like 70s 60s uh that they didn't really make money for the record labels and nobody bought the records you could buy like sealed copies of funhouse and the eighties for like two, three dollars, right. you know? Um, and I, yeah, I guess I feel like that's that, you know, that's, it. that's pretty, that doesn't, that doesn't, that does a lot of injustice to very individualistic voices, people who are coming at music in a way that's not concerned about, how am I going to make something that people like, but coming at it more in a way of how do I make music that represents who I am, where I am, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, and how do I act on these things? Mm -hmm. And how do I, and in the the sort of self-analysis of all that and how that gets really complicated and muddy Instead of a, you know, but what succeeds is the approach of like, how do I make something that people will like? Mm-hmm. How do I make something that will, that people who have money will like and give me money? And these, and that doesn't, and that to me is like the death of culture. And that's why you see like, you know, in, in the 60s, the record industry was just throwing money at tons of people Mm -hmm. like just seeing what would stick they didn't have like an they didn't have like uh algorithms or even like uh advisory circles or you know test 
groups, you right. know, yeah, so right. they couldn't, they, they were just throwing money at whatever they're throwing money at the wall and seeing what would stick. And, you know, at the same time, like, uh, technology was kind of blowing up. They, they went from two track to 24 track in like less than 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, phaser, fuzz delay all the uh, all that uh, all these sort of like things were invented in that time period and people are just taking chances but it seems to me that nowadays especially with the sort of justification you know a bit of an atomization of 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 society that we are not taking chances we're looking for we're hedging our bets and we're not making art to explore the world. We're making art to capitalize. Mm. And, and that's, and that's something that's like a top down sort of motivation. Like it's something that's like we, to, to like be an artist in the world and to get by, you have to please your benefactors, you know, you can't, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, does, yeah. do you feel that that has even seeped into even some of the like more marginal, well, it's air quotes, independent music that you feel I, that sort of like seeping in heavily? Absolutely. I think passively in a passive way, people have adapted, mm-hmm. like they see, they see what's going on in the world and and I, I think it happened it, like we we adapt these th- things because we see that they're advertised as the keys to success yeah. you know and and like and especially in a world where it's just like getting harder and harder to even find affordable housing mm-hmm. and the cost of foods going up and like we we're turning to these ideas that are being sold as the keys to success mm-hmm. And, you know, and that seeps down into uh, the underground for yeah. sure, unfortunately. And you see that like just because it's just like you go you can go to New York and, you know, you can go to a power power electronics show and go to a uh, noise show and not see any crossover. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of there's like there's this sort of a. Uh, uh, you know, and those all those people should be like buds and supporting each other because, like, in like the early and in, in the late seventies, early eighties, it's like Blondie was Blondie was playing with like Sonic Youth and like uh, Suicide was playing with Elvis Elvis Costello, sure. right? And like you don't see the sort of diversity and people just like doing it, yeah, to the same degree. Everyone's kind of aligning their sense of like uh, tribal value to yeah. every decision they have to make. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious where, because you, and we talked prior to going on mic here about your growing up in the Midwest. And I think, do you, do you feel that some of your upbringing and being a little bit more off the grid and really have to, to fight, to find and to connect with culture or subculture has been, like that sort of defined <laughs> defined maybe a bit of your outlook on it i mean it's it's possible for sure uh i definitely was like i, I definitely 
was a complete outsider. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. My whole life. I don't know if that would have been different if I knew like uh if I knew there was like, you know, in like the mid to late aughts, I knew like there was like a big no, no fun fest. If I knew that oh, yeah. was going on, you know, like I would have had probably something to aspire to at that time. Sure. But, you know, I was unaware of that. I was just kind of. Uh, and so maybe because I didn't have that sort of being able to find that sort of network for being weird you know and making cool stuff and having an opportunity to sort of capitalize on it possibly could have an impact on my outlook now but i think yeah that's not to say, yeah there's that's not to say that there's like plenty of people doing cool shit you right, know right 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 <laughs> you, know? Well, there's... you had mentioned uh stumbling upon and hearing throbbing gristle through through uh Jacob's <laughs> CD collection. What was yeah. what was your what was your in? What was your gateway into the like the more fl- far flung world of, you know, avant garde or even just like industrial noise music? It's funny. I think it's uh you know a friend of like I, I, like before I got into way out there stuff. I was just really into like grunge rock, you know, sure. like yeah. Nirvana, all that. Uh, and so like. Sonic Youth was on my radar at the time, but a friend of mine uh, gave me a the Screaming Fields of Sonic Love. No, oh, okay. That that compilation CD, yeah. and then I listened to the whole thing, and then the last like six tracks on the album are from Confusion of Sex, Kill Your Idols, mm-hmm. and their first LP, their self titled like uh, sort of EP. And I heard that and I, that was like, oh, this is something, com- this is exactly what I w- I've been looking for. Yeah. And f- from that, I kind of dove into, I dove into researching all that stuff, found out about the no wave scene, found out about kraut rock, Japanese noise. Right. Uh, all the, uh, yeah. And it just like, yeah, that's, but yeah. And that, and that, that definitely happened like in isolation. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, let's maybe uh, cycle back here talking yeah. about the label because you've got some stuff in the works here. And, and I mentioned before that you had, you've provided us with tracks that we can preview here on, on this yeah. episode and excited to be able to do that. And I thought maybe we'd play a block here of three of those and it'll be Cyanide Tooth, Leaking, and Whip Appeal. And, and the only of the three that I know is Cyanide Tooth because, hey, it's Cremo Cole, everyone's favorite yeah, can- sure. uh, WFMU DJ, right? Um, yeah. And I know he's put out some stuff. I think it was a tape on Ever Never, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I know I have one or maybe another one. I can't recall. But you want to maybe just kind of talk through each of those projects? Because, again, they're, they're, they're new to me. Yeah, so I've known, I've known Eric Bradshaw, Cyanide Tooth. He, uh, his, for his band, Golden Era, uh, sorry, Golden Error, mm-hmm. uh, was the first band I played with in New York, like in 2007 or so. Okay. Um, I've known him for years and years. Mm -hmm. Always, always liked him, you know, of Mm -hmm. course. And like, uh, recently, like I did, uh, yeah, been seeing like, I think in one of his first releases he did, he actually recorded at the one side was recorded at the live at the bar that I used to work at in Lafayette. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, when, and yeah, so I saw that 
and I've, yeah, I've been seeing him for over the years and I've wanted to do something with him for a while. Um, and then leaking is Roland Taylor, who, who I put a release out by earlier this year doing solo guitar work. Uh, I went to go see an art show he had here in Richmond. He moved here to Richmond and I think 2022 February or so. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I went to go see an art show he was doing here in Richmond and he was playing that recording of the leaking album over, over the stereo in the gallery. And I, yeah, I was asking him, yeah, what is, what is this? And he was like, Oh, this is this thing that I recorded with his friend, Noah Depew, who I'm also friend. I didn't I like, I, he's booked, uh, he's booked a few shows of mine in Cleveland over okay. the last couple of years. And then, uh, his friend David who from Cleveland, cause he's yeah. Roland's originally from Cleveland. Um, and I, I was just like, yeah, this is amazing. I think I, I want to do this. Uh, so yeah. So far, far different, it. far different from his solo album. That's for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I really dig it a lot. It's cool to hear it. Like hear his sort of, uh, American primitive approach with mm -hmm. a sort of really heavy psych yeah. band backing them up. Right. It's, it's yeah. great. It's, it's like raw. a combination. Yeah. It's a combination. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm really stoked on that one. Yeah, and and then, then the last one is, yeah, the whip appeal release. Whip appeal is, uh, uh, you know, Rose actor angle. She, uh, has that project apologist oh yeah yep yeah it's it's her no rent yeah exactly yeah yep yeah yeah she, she's uh yeah co-running no rent and uh brian Haran, who's okay. out of uh north carolina la uh, yeah i guess it was probably 2020 yeah, the beginning of twenty is July fourth, twenty twenty two. We played a set in Greensboro. Uh, this was Crazy Doberman at the time, and it was with uh, Jason Krumer, her husband, yep. and uh, uh, Rosie with Brian also played. And they had just been recording the whole time before they played that set, and I saw it and I was just like, "Yeah, this is beautiful. <laughs> Let's do something with it." Cool. Yeah. It was meant to be, huh? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so really what you're saying is you discover these things when you're out in public, huh? That like you're I, out and about. Oh, I want to release that. <laughs> yeah. It comes yeah. to you as a gift, right? It goes back to your idea of knowing people in real life, right? That that connection. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's, let's play some of those tracks. Let's start it with this one from Cyanide Tooth. And I believe the track is called, is it Clank City Dub or is that the name of the release? That's Clank City Dub. It's okay. a Six Dimension uh, Vacation is okay. the release. All right, cool. Again, Cyanide yeah. Tooth here. Come <laughs> on. 
I guess I'm interested to learn a bit more about your evolution as a musician, you know, how you went from being in a band like TV Ghost, which was, you know, kind of a psychedelic post-punk group with sort of a dark side to it, but, and then to going into this more like improvisational outfit like Crazy Doberman and and Gateway. And and you were explaining in in our last segment how, you know, some of your listening and how that was... Uh, you know, shaping what you were interested in. I was wondering if that was kind of playing out while you were in the, in a band like TV ghost and, and, and changing kind of the focus and direction of where you were going. So, yeah, I, I, I always kind of felt like uh TV, like my, the TV ghost era of my work was more of a compromise as far as because, because in high school and, in high school, I was doing much more, I was doing a lot more stuff that was much more experimental, more uh, exploratory, more just seeing what sounds would would do with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting together with a few other musicians, fleshing that out and kind of falling upon this sort of in between more in between space that was like more rock song oriented bass guitar drums this sort of thing but i i always you know really much more appreciated albums that would kind of that would be just like a totally different approach from piece to piece mm-hmm. from track to track on the on the release uh, and that's always what I wanted to do, but it, it's, that's like really hard to do with a rock band <laughs> right. because, you know, because it's just like, you either have to, you know, be like the Beatles and live in the studio or have like tons of money and <laughs> have a, have a, or a record label that will pay for you to live in the studio for right. several months. Yes, I want that eight thousand dollar modular synth unit, please. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like doing doing TV Ghost was like, okay, I can figure out how to kind of make this work at least in a live context, yeah. and then catapult from there. It wasn't until, uh, it wasn't really until getting back, like getting into and starting working with a uh, crazy Doberman that I kind of got back to my initial like sort of wants and I was able to do the things that I, I sort of envisioned with doing with music. And so, I mean, it was, it was like an easy departure for me to kind of, kind of go back to my roots. Sure. You know, well, let's, let's spin that around them now having done that for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Do you ever have that itch to return to like songs and maybe rock leaning type music? I mean, for sure. You know, uh, I definitely, I I don't know if I want to be in a rock band, you know, for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have a, I often just like pick up the guitar and like play songs and sing I just, I just don't spend a lot of time, uh, 
you know, writing and recording in right. that fashion, mm-hmm. just because it's, I don't know, it doesn't seem quite as interesting to me because it's just, you know, that was like one of the main frustrations I had doing the rock thing was just like, I would, I would come up with something and I'd be like, Oh, this is kind of like this other thing. You know, I'd come up with a riff or a chord progression and a melody and just be like, Oh, this is the kind of like this other song and just kind of an instant turn off for me. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it takes me out of like the whole process. You, you've developing. Right. You feel like you're just recreating something that has already previously caught your ear, that sort of thing or that. You... Yeah. Yeah. Something that's caught my ear before or, you know, and it's probably just me being hyper analytical. Cause like most, every song that is written with a guitar and singing has already been written <laughs> right, I was just gonna say. and sung, you know? Yeah. And I just don't see a whole lot of a point in going down that route. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a lot more interesting to me, say like how the residents do songs. Oh, sure. You know, yeah, especially yeah. the early the early era stuff, yeah. like where it's just like really deconstructed and you can take an idea and uh of you can take an idea of a melody and chord progression and uh strip that down and rebuild it in the weirdest way possible. I find right. that interesting. Right. Well, know? I'll be on the lookout for your 40 song commercial album <laughs> next year then, Tim. <laughs> your new year's resolution right there well i selfishly kind of want to ask you to discuss the music that you and jason made together under the name gateway um the reason i say selfishly is because i was fortunate to put out uh, a gateway tape on on bell recordings and it's still one of my one of my favorites that i was able to work on um how how did that project come to be i mean i always think of it as like a a a small scale offshoot of of crazy doberman because you were both involved in that is it just more a working relationship that when you couldn't get the full group together that you guys would go off and on these little journeys together sonically well uh no it's it's pretty cool like i i think from first starting working with uh doberman like because yeah doberman was a like an established five person act that's right, right you know early on uh and and then i got involved i played the last show doberman played before mm-hmm. it became crazy doberman uh i really always appreciated highly jason's contributions mm-hmm. because i thought they were you know it was like this weird gentle yet maniacal but highly musical elements that he contributed to the music yeah um so i always wanted to work with him before that and then i we started the crazy doberman project and we or the dober uh, then i joined the doberman project we played some shows together uh, john olson got involved and it became crazy doberman mm-hmm. and then uh we did a few more things after that. And, uh, I, and I had always been in Jason's ear about doing a recording project with him. And he was always pretty reticent Mm -hmm. about doing it. But then, uh, 
there was I forget what show it was. There was a show at the spot, the bar I used to work at. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a really cool show, but no one else in the Crazy Doberman crew was available except for Jason. And I was like, hey, do you want to do the show with me? And he's like, okay, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> and then we did it. And then after that, he was like, okay, yeah, well, we should do a recording yeah. session. And then, uh, so, yeah, we record. We, we it, That started a really nice uh, working relationship. And it was, it was cool because there are a lot of the elements of uh, the sort of crazy Doberman approach there. But it was much more restrained because yeah. there are only two of us. Right, right. So, you know, we could we could take on instruments that we struggled with more or approaches that we struggled with more. And we could also get more like sort of unhinged with the things we're more comfortable with as well. And uh, because there and there, there's less people involved and, you know, uh, it was, it was just, it, uh, it just worked, it just worked out great. And I was, I, I was really happy with all the stuff we did together. Yeah. Is that is that a project that could could resurface and come back, or you feel like you're both ready to move on from that as well? I mean, that that's for me. That is a project I will, I will always come back to. I think. Okay. You know, yeah. uh, it's just like uh, yeah, <clears throat> you know, the whole. I think we we're working on something, some stuff pre-COVID, and that that became like the tongue depressor split. Yeah that we ended up doing but and then i moved out of town so we just have you know we've been 12 hours apart for the last like few right. years so it's yeah. like it's pretty hard yeah. to it's probably a easier to manage that than to say like you know 12 or 15 members of a crazy doberman session right absolutely <laughs> yeah just the sheer logistics of it to see, <laughs> yeah. make it more uh feasible to do well, I thought uh, to to kind of wrap up our our uh, talk in here, um, you you shared some more stuff, and one of those is a new solo release that you have coming out, and I can I can kind of hear elements of like that gateway sound in it, like there's some of the electronics and you know different reed instruments that you're playing. Um, I also hear this sort of percussion part of it too, so I'm just curious. Was this recorded entirely on your own? Is this kind of an overdub thing? Is this improvised? Or were you improvising with yourself over just recordings? How did this all come about? It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a process uh, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, everything, you know, in, in, the, in, in the excerpt track I sent you, for instance, like it starts out with a sort of harp sound Mm-hmm. That's just like uh, so. I recorded that straight to the computer through a through a contact mic, and then bounced that into my into a four track cassette, and then into my sampler, and then just messed with it. But so I mean, the, the whole process is very similar. I'm trying to sort of recreate the Crazy Doberman sessions mm-hmm. in a way as I can one person at a time, you know, right. right um, yeah. Stacking and stacking and stacking on top of things. Cause I was saying but, it's a very, there's a lot of depth and mm-hmm. detail going on in, in the, in that recording, that new stuff that you have. It's like, that's so, what I was, I was curious. I'm like, how many damn people are on this? I mean, like, cause there's so many layers in the, to it. 
So, I mean, a lot of it is just like I, I've recorded, I recorded improv of myself playing instruments solo and then, and then finding sounds and, and then I, I end up putting all these, this stuff into my sand into a sampler mm-hmm. and then like arranging it in there and EQing it, cutting it up, playing it back. Uh, all this on, on my new album upcoming is it's stuff I've came about by performing live. Okay. And it's stuff, it's stuff from live sets. I did some embellishments for sure in the recording process. Uh, but it's all stuff that was like composed for performing live. And then after performing live coming back and tweaking it and then performing live again. Mm -hmm. And it's all, yeah, it's just, it sounds coming from, you know, anything I can find. Yeah. Are your live sessions or live performances more like a continuous, say 20, 30 minute piece that has sort of this compositional arc to it? Yeah, I try. I try to maintain that for okay. sure. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I think we'll we'll jump into it, and may, maybe before we do that, we got a couple more things I'm going to play in here that involve you as well. There's the Demon Life uh, cassette mm-hmm. that you put out, and then I'm assuming Turner and Tim is you as well. Uh, you have a, yeah, yeah. a hand in that. You want to just briefly mention those releases, and then we'll jump into it. Yeah, it's uh. Turner, Turner, yeah, that's Turner Williams Jr. Okay, and myself, uh, we did a release. Uh, like uh, Working Man Lay Down did a release for Turner Williams Jr. a couple years ago, uh, and then last year, uh, I went to yeah, my Ludmila, my wife, she's from Lisbon, so we go there to visit her friend's family a couple times a year. We went there last June. And Turner is living in uh, Marseille. Okay. Uh, and so I hit him up, and I was like, "Hey, let's get together and jam." And he drove out to Lisbon. Okay. Uh, with his partner Mona, and we hung out for like a couple weeks. Recorded. We played a show in Lisbon, and yeah, this is the the recording you're about to play is the result of that oh cool yeah and, and then demon life another we could call this a another offshoot uh, crazy doberman project right i would say so yeah, yeah. i mean i'm uh yeah i'm i'm two two of my very good friends uh roger stella and That's kyle right. flanagan yeah i forgot roger who well did he ever play with doberman at all not uh, not in a recording session, but several times. Okay. Like he's played every time we've been to Birmingham, and about every other time we've been to Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, he's he's hopped into the crew. Um, but uh, yeah, him and Kyle, like just both people that we don't. Yeah, both of uh, yeah. We don't need to discuss anything. We can just like plug our gear in and start going and. Uh, something happens. Yeah, something happens. Demon life yeah, ar- arises. That, <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Roger. Roger, who's a huge fan of, uh, he's a huge fan of the Stones. Oh, okay. named, yeah. named the project. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, Tim, I'm gonna jump into this last block here with that excerpt from your forthcoming release, and 
thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, thank you so much.
And that's going to bring things to an end for this installment of the show. I'd like to thank Tim once again for taking the time to chat with me. If you'd like to check out the complete playlist for this episode, you can go to our website at freeformfreakout.com. There are links that will bring you to each of the releases played, with the exception of the forthcoming titles, of course, where you can purchase either physical or digital copies. Or I'd encourage you just to visit flatplastic.bandcamp.com directly, where you can check out their other titles that they have available too. As always, I encourage you to support artists like Tim and the other artists whose work he is releasing on flat plastic as much as you can. If you have any questions or comments, you can always get in touch with me at fffreakout at hotmail.com. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another new episode. Till then, thanks so much for listening. <laughs>